Good morning, everyone. You know, a lot of times people will say they're happy to be here. I'm happy to be here this morning after the spill. Tommy asked me before, how'd the other guy do? And, uh, <laughs> and I will tell you, the coffee table's okay. So, Hey, last week, Tommy kicked off our Celebrate Christmas Sermon Series with his message, God Loves You. And today, with less than two weeks left till Christmas, I want to share with you that God is with you and how this is the good news of Christmas. Hey, friends, we live in a world desperately in need of truth. Deception, false teaching, misguided philosophies can lead many people astray. Thankfully, we know the truth came to be with us on Christmas. His name is Jesus. Jesus was born in a world much like ours. Divided by politics, divided by class, race, uh, injustice, and, and people needed hope. Just like we need hope. The hope of a Savior. So then, what's the big deal about Christmas? Why is it that the world stands still one day a year to celebrate the birth of, of Jesus? Why is it that a baby that was born 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem can stop traffic on the other side of the world here in Glen Cove? The answer is, Christmas is the best news that we're ever going to hear. It's the greatest news. The gospel itself means the good news. So what I want to do is start off this morning by looking, re, re, looking back at the Christmas story, what it means. In Luke 2, verses 1 through 12, these are the events that surrounded the birth of Jesus. And it reads, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now, everyone went to his own home. God bless you. Now, everyone went to his own hometown to register. So Joseph went up the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, and this is the verse I really want you to focus on. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. I bring you good news of great joy that will for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. You know, God never does anything without a reason. He has a plan and purpose for everything. Every rock has his purpose. Every plant has his purpose. Every human being has its purpose. Each of you have a purpose and a reason why you're here today at Glen Cove Christian Church. So why did God send Jesus at Christmas 2,000 years ago? He says, for unto you is born a Savior. Unto you, unto you, unto me. It's for our benefit. It's for your benefit. The whole purpose of Christmas is for our benefit. So what I'd like to do this morning is share with you four reasons 
Four reasons why God sent Jesus to be with us. Now, they're found clearly as an outline in your bullets, and you could write these down as I go through it. But the first reason is that Jesus came to reveal God's identity. He came to reveal God's identity. In other words, to show us what God is really like. You know, friends, you know as well as I do, there are a lot of wacky ideas that people say that, I like to think that God is like this. Or I like to think that, that God, um, my idea about God is, well, excuse me. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what your idea of God is. What really matters, and the only thing that matters, it, what God is really like. It's not about our idea. It's about what God is really like. Because that's what Christmas is all about. And Jesus came to show us what God is really like. You know, when you think about it, some, so many people have different ideas of God. Some think that he's an old uh, grandfather, that he's weak, that he's doddering, that he's a genial enough guy, sort of like um, George Burns in, in uh, Oh God. That's not God. God is real. He's all-powerful. He's alive. He's everywhere. And the good news is that you and I could have a relationship with him. You know, others think God is an angry judge, that he's out there just waiting to catch you doing something wrong so he can spank you and get pleasure out of making your life difficult. That's not God. Some people think that God is, is mad all the time, that he's angry. Friends, God isn't mad. He's not mad at you. The Bible says that God is mad about you. He's mad about me. That's why he came to earth. That's, that's why he gave his only begotten son. Because God is love. There are a lot of things that we can know about God. A lot of things. Just look at nature. We know that God likes variety. You know, look around at the plants and the flowers and the trees, the sights, the smells, the tastes, the colors. You could say that God overdoses on variety. He loves it. God made each and every one of us unique because he likes variety. We also know that God is powerful. We see that in volcanoes. We can see that in hurricanes. And we saw that in the tornadoes that hit Kentucky and Illinois the last few days. We also know that God is great by his vastness. The Bible says that God holds the entire universe between his finger and his thumb. That's how God's greatness is. That's the power of God. We know God's organized. That the more science discovers, and I'm not a big fan of science these days, but the more they discover, um, everything seems to fall into place. The way the universe was created, the way the earth rotates, it, you know, if it was off by one degree, we would be circling into space and disintegrate. But God made everything perfect. And again, the Bible says that God is love. And the reason we know that once again is because he sent his only son to be with us and die for us. That's how much God loves us. The Bible tells us that we're to call God our father. No other religion calls God father. But Jesus says that we're not only to call God father, but we're to pray to him. Our father who art in heaven. We can have a relationship with God. It's a relationship of love. God is caring. He's compassionate. He's close. He's competent. He's capable of all these things because he is God. And Jesus came to show us what God is really like. 
You know, the reason that there's so much confusion about God is because no one's ever seen him. You know, I remember this story of a little boy who was in first grade, and he was drawing a picture in class. And the first grade teacher came up to him and said, what are you drawing? And he said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher said, that's silly. Nobody knows what God looks like. And the little boy said, they will, as soon as I'm done with this picture. <laughs> you know, the Bible says, this is the day the Lord made. And today, so many people want to flip those words around and say, this is the Lord the day has made. That's so wrong that our culture thinks that God um, is, is basically what we want him to be. And that's not what God is. God is love. And Jesus came to show us that God is love. In John chapter 1, verse 18, it reads, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who himself is God, and in the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Friends, Jesus came to make God visible, to, rec to correct all the four false ideas and the false thoughts of what God was. So when you know that, when you know that Jesus came to show us what God is, you can put away all the books, the New Age books, put away all the talk shows and the cable news documentaries on TV about God. You want to know what God is? You go to the Word. You go to the Bible, and that's what God is like. You look at what Jesus, how He lived His life, the sacrifices He made, the teachings He taught. That's what God is, because Jesus is God. Jesus came to explode all the stereotypes about God, all the myths, all the legends, and to show us what God is really like. That's the miracle of Christmas. The Bible says when Jesus was born, he was given the name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God is with us. God's not just around us. God didn't just create us. The Bible said God is with us. He came to be with us. He came... And he was born on earth so he could relate to, to humans. We were made in his image. If God had wanted to relate to birds, he would have become a bird. If God wanted to relate to cows, he would have became a cow. But God wanted him to be human so he could relate to us. And Jesus came into the world the, the same way all of us came in, through our mother's womb. Jesus was born into the world. No one's afraid of a baby. But Jesus came into the world to save us, not to scare us. Friends, the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. The fact that Jesus came to live with us means that he can understand all of our problems. He can understand all of our difficulties, all of our anxieties and fears that we've had over the last two years with this pandemic. And he understands all the anxiety and concerns that we've got going into 2022. You know, one day, one of Jesus' disciples named Philip said this in John chapter 14. He said, Lord, show us the Father. You know, in other words, what he was saying was, show us what God is really like. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. You know, let me say it this way. If you want to know what God is really like, 
If you want to know what God is really like, take a long look at Jesus. Because he is the image and fullness of the Godhead body. He is God in human form. And that's the good news. That's the good news that God came to earth in a personal way so we could have a personal relationship with him. Jesus came to reveal what God is really like. Now the second reason, and this is in your bulletin, the second reason that God sent Jesus to be with us is Jesus came to relate God's word. Write that down in your bulletin. He came to communicate a message, and the message is the best news that we're ever going to hear. In John chapter 18, it reads, and this is Jesus saying this, in fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Now, I want you to notice the word truth. Jesus says, I came to testify to the truth. Nowadays, we don't know what to believe between cable news and the internet. Anyone can say anything about anyone with no accountability at all. There's no reprise, no checks, no balances. And social media is routinely censoring the truth so we can hear the narrative they want us to hear. The idea of truth checking and fact checking is really almost a thing of the past. So where can I go to get the truth? How do I know the truth? Not just the opinion, but how do I know the truth? How could you know the truth? There's only one way. You go to Jesus. You go to the Bible. Jesus said this in John 14. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want to read that again. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Those words, you have to decide if it's true or not. Because that's the dividing line. When Jesus says, I am the way, he didn't say, I'm one way. He didn't say, I'll point the way. He didn't say, I'm a good way. He didn't even say, I'm the best way to get to heaven. Jesus said, I am the only way. The only way. And when you think about it, it forces us to make a decision. Because Jesus is either who he says he was, or billions of people are celebrating the life of a phony and a fraud. And Christmas is a fake. That's not. Jesus said, I am the truth. He didn't say, I'm part of the truth. He didn't say, I'm some of the truth. He said, I am the truth. I embody the truth. And as part of that verse, Jesus said, I am the life. He didn't say, I'm part of the life, I'm some of the life. He said, I am the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through me. So friends, when we come to know Jesus, and you get to know him on a personal basis, you know what he does? He tells you the truth. When you read the Bible, the Bible is so filled with stories that normal people wouldn't put in their book. It's filled with stories of rape, incest, greed, violence, deceit, treachery. Because the Bible always tells the truth, the whole truth. You could read biographies of people that were written either by themselves or someone, and they'll gloss over all the weak points. They'll praise the fine points, they'll ignore the weaknesses, but the Bible always tells us the truth. The truth about life, the truth about God, the truth about Satan, the truth about good versus evil, and it tells us the truth about our lives. It tells us the things that will make us a success, and the things that will make us a failure. And there is a great benefit if you base your life on truth. 
Jesus said it this way in John 8. Then you will know the truth. Then you will know the truth because the truth will set you free. You know, freedom most certainly, most certainly doesn't come from our government, as we know by having to wear one of these things. You know, it's, and, it, and freedom doesn't come from um, doing whatever we want to do. Freedom comes from living your life on the truth. The good news is, as Jesus said, is the truth makes you free. The bad news is that it makes us miserable first. Um, we don't want to hear the truth. A lot of times we want to ignore the truth. We like to pretend the truth doesn't exist. But the Bible says when you know the truth, it will set you free. Friends, it's like turning on a flashlight in the dark. You know how much easier it is to walk down a hallway when you can see a little tiny light at the end? I wish I had a flashlight this morning. It's a whole lot easier. It doesn't have to be a big light. But even a little light makes it a, the journey easier. You know, you've got to have light in your life. Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 46, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. You know, I think it's really cool that Christmas comes at the darkest point of the year. At the end of December, right at the winter solace. It's the darkest point of the year. And Jesus lights up the world. People put up Christmas trees. They even wear them around their neck. <laughs> Most people turn them off right after Christmas. I like when people leave them on. Because God's light and Jesus' light is on always. So keep those lights on after Christmas. Jesus was the original Christmas light. And when you think about it, light does three things. And scientists, and again, I'm not a big fan of scientists these days, but they tell us three things. The first thing they say is that light illuminates, light warms, and light causes growth. It illuminates, it warms, and it causes growth. If we let the light of Jesus Christ into our life, it'll bring us warmth. It'll give us direction. And it will illuminate us and cause us to grow. All three things that light does, Jesus can do for us. And I don't know how dark your life is these days. I don't know what you're going through. But I do know some are going through economic problems. Some are going through health issues. Some are going through relationship issues. But there's a ray of light in our darkness that could be lit up if we let Jesus turn on the lights for us. And the good news I want to share with you this morning is that no matter how dark your situation is, no matter how much you're stumbling around, God sent Jesus to show us the way, to let us know that God cares for us, that God is with us, that He will help us. Because He loves us. He loves us so much. It's incomprehensible. And the third reason that God sent Jesus to be with us is that Jesus came to recover God's creation. You can write that down. Jesus came to recover God's creation. Now let me explain that. The Bible says that when God made the world, it was perfect. In the Garden of Eden, there was no sorrow no suffering, no sin, no pain, no problems, no pressure, no tears, no toils. Everything in the Garden of Eden started off perfect. What happened? When man sinned, when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, sin entered the world. 
And today the world is broken. The Bible calls it fallen. We're in a fallen world and literally nothing works correctly. Have you noticed it? Your body doesn't work perfectly. Um, you know, your relationships don't work perfectly. The weather doesn't work perfectly. Our government and economy surely don't work, you know, perfectly. In fact, the only thing that's perfect on this planet is the Word of God. Because the Word of God, friends, is always true. The Bible tells us in Luke uh, chapter 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to seek and to save the world that was lost, that was fallen. So what was fallen? What was fallen that Jesus had to come uh, to save us? Everything. Everything. Our direct relationship with God. Our friendship with God. The harmony of the elements on the earth. The unity of our planet. All the things that God had started off and intended to be perfect are no longer perfect. And it's all because man threw away and disobeyed God. The Bible says that we're all lost. And that Jesus came to find us. He says, I came to seek and to save which was lost. Now some people think that when you say somebody is lost, that it's a put down. As if they're inferior. But it has nothing to do with that. In fact, it means just the opposite. You don't lose something unless it's of value to you. If I lose a paper clip, I didn't really lose it. I misplaced it. If I misplaced a pen... I didn't lose a pen, unless Dylan, it was a Mont Blanc pen. Then I lost it. Um, you know, if, if you, you wouldn't misplace your child, you would have lost your child. So it's all a matter of, of how much value something is. There's an entire chapter in the Bible that talks about how much God cares for us. In Luke 15, John, Jesus tells us three stories. The first, he talks about a lost sheep. And how the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after that one sheep. The second he tells us about a woman who loses a coin. She does everything she can to find it. And the third parable is about the lost son. Which we know is the prodigal son. So one is lost by nature. One is lost by circumstance. And one is lost by choice. Well guess what? We're lost the same way. I'm spiritually lost because of my sinful nature. I'm spiritually lost because of the circumstances around me. And I'm spiritually lost when I choose to disobey God. But here's the good news. God doesn't leave it there. Like a lo loving father, he goes after his son. Like a, loving, like a loving woman who finds what was missing. And the loving shepherd that goes after the lost sheep and leaves the 99. God will never leave us. He's not going to stop until you're back home with him. Friends, God sent Jesus on a rescue mission. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus says it this way. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. Jesus didn't stay in a manger. He went to the cross. A lot of us, particularly around this time, want to just keep Jesus as a little baby. But the Bible says, for unto you is born a Savior. He wasn't born a baby, he was born a savior. He had to grow up and die on a cross for our sins to be forgiven in order to be a savior. So friends, I want to tell you this morning, if you don't have a personal relationship 
with Jesus Christ, you're lost. You're lost without Jesus. And you need a personal Savior. I need a personal Savior. I do. We all do. You see, Jesus wouldn't have spent all the time and wasted the effort and died for our sins if God didn't want to save us. And I don't know if you've noticed today, there are a lot of self-proclaimed saviors that are out there. There are political saviors. There are business saviors. There are medical saviors. They're all promising to save our life. Every politician comes along and acts like they're going to be the next Messiah. And every medical company comes along and acts like this next pill is going to save your life. And on and on and on. But guess what? There's only one Savior. And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He can not only save you from yourself, save you from your sins, save you from your life without meaning, and He can save you from an eternity without God. You know, Max Licato, a great Christian author and a minister at Oak Hills Church in Texas, he once wrote, and I love this, he writes, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need would be money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a savior. So let me just be candid with you. The last year and in previous years, we've all done some things that we may feel bad about. You know it, I know it. And think about it for a minute. Those things will start coming up that you wish maybe never happened. You said something that you regret you said. And maybe we're feeling shameful about some of the things that took place over the past years. We may have guilt in our lives. We've got to let it go. There's no reason for us to carry that garbage into 2022. You see, Jesus came into this world. He grew up and died for us on the cross. So we don't have to carry guilt into the next year. You can let it go. You can receive his forgiveness. As Max Lucado said, the point is that if we hadn't needed a savior, God wouldn't have sent his son. So we got to quit trying to save ourselves. The fourth reason that God sent Jesus to be with us, and you can write this down, is Jesus came to reproduce God's life in you. Jesus came to reproduce God's life in you. You might say, I don't understand that. What does that mean? Jesus said it like this in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, I have come that you might have life and that you would have it to the fullest. Notice what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say, I have come that you might have religion. He didn't say, I've come that you might have rules and regulations. He didn't say, I've come that you might have restrictions. He said, I've come that you might have life. He offers us a new life. An abundant life. And most importantly, he, he offers us an eternal life with his Father. So what does that mean? What does it imply? If we don't know Jesus, we're not really living. And that's true. Most people don't really live. They just exist. They get up in the morning, they go to work, they come home, they watch TV, they go to bed. And that's a repeating cycle. They get up, go to work, they come home, they watch TV. Maybe they relax on the weekends and they say, that's living. But that's just existing. Most people, frankly, are just getting by. Kind of like on a treadmill. And a lot of people don't live 
to the fullest because they regret the past. They worry about the future. So they waste today. So many people crucify themselves between the twin thieves of yesterday's regrets and tomorrow's worries. Jesus used the word life over and over again. He said, I am the life. I've come to bring you life. I give you life. In fact, friends, the word life is used over 200 times in the New Testament alone. So what does he mean by saying it's an abundant life? It's a life of purpose. It's a life of peace. It's a life of power. That's what Jesus offers us. You know, over the past few years, we've heard much about a mechanical ventilation system, also known as a ventilator. When all else has failed, the ventilator is, is used to, to keep a person alive. They're most often used in a catastrophic injury where the patient can't breathe, and they've become really popular in the last couple of years because of the pandemic. They keep coma patients alive, even when they're medically induced comas, so the body can heal, take as much time as it needs. So as I was preparing this, I thought, you know, how cool would it be if there was a machine that could remove all of our guilt, remove all the resentment in our life, remove all the grief, remove all the worry, remove all the fear? Wouldn't it be cool if there was a machine that took away all of our anxiety, that took away our loneliness, our bitterness, our self-absorption, all the negative emotions. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a machine like that? Guess what? There is. It's called salvation. And that's what Jesus offers us. He says, the more you turn to me, the more I can pull all that stuff out of your life. The abundant life isn't here and now. It doesn't end at death. It's internally. And it goes on forever and ever. And that's the great news about Christmas. Our past is forgiven, our purpose for living, and our home in heaven. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. I mean, Paul says it so brilliantly there. He says we can't even imagine what heaven is going to be look like. It's so awesome. So no wonder it's good news. No wonder we celebrate Christmas. No wonder the world shuts down to celebrate it. Because without this, without Jesus, life has no meaning, no purpose. Christmas is good news. It's God's gift to us. You know, the word we hear most often at Christmas is gift. We talk about what are you getting for Christmas? What are you giving for Christmas? Have you opened your gifts? Kids frantically ask for the right gifts, for many gifts, um, guessing what's under the tree. And you know where the gift-giving started, the tradition started? Of course you do. It started with God. God gave us the first gift at Christmas. God so loved the world that He gave His Son. He gave us His only Son. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. I'm going to close in a minute, but let me just ask you a question. Let's say I gave you a Christmas gift uh, last year, and you haven't opened it yet. You just put it in the corner. And now a year later, I come to you and say, hey, you know, I never got to thank you. Did you, did you uh, get my Christmas gift? And you said, I've been meaning to, but I just put it in the corner. I've been really busy. I'd get offended by that. And you wouldn't be blessed. Well, guess what? God has given each of us a gift. 
the gift of his son Jesus. The gift of freedom, the gift of salvation, the gift of truth, the gift of love, the gift of a relationship, the gift of eternal life. And it's amazing to me that so many people will go Christmas after Christmas after Christmas and never open God's perfect gift. Friends, if we're not going to open God's gift this Christmas, what's the point in celebrating Christmas? Because God came to be with us in person. He cared enough to send us the very best. So in closing, I don't want you to overlook him this Christmas because I don't want you to miss Christmas. I want us all to get to know the one who came to be our savior. If you can't fully enjoy Christmas until you open God's most gracious and perfect gift, let's all open up the gift of his son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Uh, bow your heads and pray with me, please. Uh, Father God, we love you. Dear Father, we glorify you. We thank you for our church. And dear God, we don't understand it all. But we thank you for sending Jesus at Christmas. We thank you that you're with us. Thank you that he came to show us the way. Thank you that he came to give us life. Thank you that Jesus came to, to sacrifice himself so he could forgive our sins. Thank you that he came to show us what you were really like, that you are love. Thank you that he wants me to be with him forever. Jesus, I want to know you. I want to learn to love you and trust in you more. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. We want to turn away from our ways and we want to turn to your way. We want to have a new, abundant life and an eternal life. Father God, we just thank you so much. We pray this in your son's perfect name. Amen.